a new episode of Wizards After Dark, the final post-game episode of the year. I'll get to more information on that later. But we are starting off right now. Well, it's after another Wizards loss. Wizards lost 126-113 to the Bucks. They are now 0-7 in the bubble. They're 24-47 and on the year. They haven't really cut it close with anybody. Uh, not that you really expected them to do it with Milwaukee, especially with Giannis, you know, air quotes, playing. Uh, Rui had 20 points on 18 shots, but he took nine threes. Like, he shot six of 18, but I actually thought it was a, a pretty good six of 18. He looked good shooting the threes. We're going to talk about that. Um, Troy Brown shot three of 15 from the field. He struggled starting at point guard. Jerome Robinson had 15, most of those in garbage time. Ish Smith had 19 and and five assists to go with it. Giannis, I love Giannis's line. Giannis played 10 minutes. He took he took 12 free throws and had nine rebounds in 10 minutes. And uh, he also connected with one forehead. And uh, on the Skype line to talk about it is a guy who 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 is a regular but hasn't been on Wizards After Dark for so long that he forgot that we do it on Skype and was sitting there waiting on his cell phone for a phone call from me, forgetting that I'm actually supposed to Skype him, is uh, the the very forgetful Ben Standig. Yeah, I've been in the uh, quarantine protocol for a while, so I forgot how to, how to work in society, so apologies <laughs> for that. You've been in the quarantine protocol, the protocol for a while, and so you forgot how to speak with people electronically. Uh, Yeah, look, the amount of things I've forgotten over the last five months is staggering. My, I have the memory of a gnat at this point. If you, I mean, if you ask me what the name of the wizards used to be, I'm not even sure anymore. I don't remember anything. Do gnats have bad memories? I I don't know. It feels like they do. This is (laughs) yeah. I don't think that's an expression. Goldfish, goldfish have bad memories. Uh, Well, them too. Wait, elephants remember everybody. Was it goldfish don't have memories? Okay. Goldfish don't. I mean, gnats might have bad memories. But see, just... that's the thing. I don't even remember what the sayings are anymore. <laughs> elephants remember every pick and roll coverage. Elephants By are way, like tremendous help defenders because they remember everybody's plays. By the way, this isn't the random comment I told you I was going to make, but the Wizards haven't won a game since March 10th. I know that the, 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 there was like a four-month break, but like I'm just looking at their sch- schedule. It's like, wow. It, it, I mean, because you I, you said it's another loss. You've been talking about nothing but losses in the bubble. That includes, I mean, the, well, I guess they technically won us. Did they win a scrimmage or did they lose all three? They lost all three. Oh yeah. So they. I mean, it's just wow. It's uh, it's something. I, I mean, mean, I'm not surprised. I'm just saying cause it's you know, it's got to be. You know what? I'm I'm a little surprised. I'm not surprised they're the worst team in the bubble. I'm not surprised that they are. They are they are the underdogs going into every single game, obviously. But if you told me 0-10, in including the exhibitions, I'm like, yeah, they'll... I figured they'd squeak one out. Now it looks like they're going to go winless in the bubble. They close out against Boston on Thursday. I I thought they'd, like, squeak out one. Like, I thought, you know, I have Pelicans against Zion. Yeah, in that individual game, I'm not going to pick them, but you lay out a gauntlet of 11 games, including exhibitions, like... They'll win one. Rui will have twenty eight, or or Troy Brown will have a good game, or or whatever. And and you know the other team's best player is happens to be resting on that night, and that team ends up shooting seven for thirty two from three, and 
and and they they win a game 102 to 96 you know but look you look you look at these numbers man like okay so i i i've said this before and i'm going to say it again i voted for Bradley Beal for all nba and i don't think Bradley Beal is going to make nba i i really really struggled with my decision to put Bradley Beal on on my all nba guards because I just think Kyle Lowry had an absolutely fabulous season. And my last two spots came down to Beal, Simmons, and Lowry. And I thought Kyle Lowry was I thought Kyle Lowry was the best player on Toronto this year. I had Siakam on my all NBA, but I think guard is deeper than forward. And I thought I thought Kyle Lowry was the guy who made Toronto tick this year. I thought he was so great. He was fabulous defensively. He also like just missed out on all defense for me as well. I easily could have put him on my all defense and my all NBA, and he ended up just missing. And I, 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 that's the guy I feel the worst about having off. And I felt terrible about it, but I, I just thought, and I said at the time, I said going into the bubble, the reason I put Bradley Beal on my all NBA is not because he averaged thirty points a game. It's because he took an offense which I didn't think had very much offensive talent, and obviously the Wizards don't have Bertans now, but he took an offense that really didn't have that much offensive talent. They were nine points per 100 better when he was on the floor. And he took them into nine points per 100 on offense better when he was on the floor. And he took an offense that just didn't have very much firepower at all and kept them in basically the top 10 in offensive efficiency for the entire season. And no, they don't have Davis Bertans, who was so unbelievably important to this offense as well. But you look at how important Beal and Bertans are to this offense. And it's like, that's an obvious point, you know? But, but man, they have, they have right now a 103.3 offensive efficiency. That's like 2002 levels, you know? That's like, that's like the Lakers are winning three straight titles levels. That's, that's the kind of offense we were getting 17 years ago in the NBA. It's 20th in the bubble. Barely, barely above Toronto and the Lakers, who might meet in the finals for all we know, <laughs> but have really, really struggled offensively in the bubble. And and the Lakers are, or I should say, the Wizards are barely ahead of those teams. They're twentieth out of twenty-two in offense, and we know they struggle on defense. We know it. They've got a one fourteen nine offensive efficiency, which is points allowed per hundred possessions. By the way, in the bubble, and they had a one fifteen coming into this. So they've defended at the same level. They've actually defended, let's say, a little bit better because compared to the rest of the league, they're doing better. Offense is up in the bubble because there's been so much fouling. But man, that offense has dipped and it looks flowless. And tonight it looked flowless. Um, I just think it reinforces Bradley Beals and Berton's unbelievable importance to this team. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on the Beal thing. I mean, obviously, it's there's a certain amount of bias, not in the sense that I think Bradley is, you know, Bradley Beal is like my favorite player, but just he's the guy I watch the most relative to other guys who would be in contention. And my thought was he could get in, and I I didn't like hearing some of the knocks about his defense in the sense that like, yeah, his defense wasn't good, but the whole team stunk. So if you're if you're a national person, you're only watching the Wizards occasionally, and you and you cheat a little bit by looking at the defensive rating, obviously it's going to stink. He plays 40 minutes a game, and they give up 187,000 points a game. So obviously it's not going to be good, but it's all relative to the whole situation and blah, blah, blah. But to here, here is my other thought about this. I'm sure you've talked about the BL thing plenty, and you will more. Um, but, like, 
what the Wizards, the one thing that highlighted the Wizards this year, and I also give credit to Beal for this, is that they were a scrappy team. You had to really put them away. You couldn't just come in there, no matter who you were, right? They were going to keep coming at you, and I give a lot of credit to that to Beal, but you give it to the other players as well. They kind of fought. And like maybe the first game or two here, you saw some of that. But the reality is this. Scrappy only gets you so far if the far more talented team matches your intensity. And I think during the season, obviously, a lot of teams slept on the Wizards for the obvious reasons. You think you're going to get a W or, you know, you take it easier. Maybe you rest some guys, whatever. In the bubble, you're watching far more basketball than I am. But with the games I've seen, and maybe it's just because I'm watching nothing but Damian Lillard games. Um, but it feels like the intensity is pretty high across the board because I think everybody has an, an, an extra focus because of this unique bubble situation. One, it's maybe your only eight games left. Effectively, everybody is trying to make the playoffs, right? The Wizards are were the only team really that kind of had no shot. Phoenix was the team picked to be with the Wizards, and they've won every game. So I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix coming into it, I think if you bold people, who has a better shot, the Wizards or Phoenix? I think people thought the Wizards had a better shot just because the yeah. Wizards the Wizards just had to outplay one of the bottom teams by one and a half games, and they got it. Phoenix, as we've seen, had to jump so many teams that Phoenix, who is 7-0 right now, could go undefeated in the bubble and still maybe not get... Like, they're, they're not in a position to be in the play-in right now. So, like, Phoenix could go 8-0 and still not make the play-in. The, the Wizards started off like 0-3 and needed a loss to the, to the or I should say they started off like, oh, well, they started off 0-7. But, but when they're 0-2, we're like, well, that Nets loss really cements it, right? Like they had to lose a couple times to one of the teams that, that they needed to lose as well. And it still wasn't like all the way over. It was just very, very likely over. So, so Phoenix, I mean, what Phoenix is doing is insane. Um, but but I don't even think the Wizards were the least likely team to make the playoffs coming into it. They might have been the least talented team going to the bubble because they were missing those guys. But but I don't think they were the least likely. Well, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, especially also the Nets were in a position where they had lost a seven guy or they're down seven players. And, you know, uh, conceivably, you know, like you said, if they win those games. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, so not only are the Wizards lacking offensive playmakers without those guys, uh, but then. Like I said, everybody, it just feels like everybody is playing at a more, at a higher level of intensity than they would be if this was just late March in the regular season. Everybody's tired. It's been a long year. You're looking ahead to the playoffs. I mean, now it's a different deal. Everybody's trying to get in shape on some level, whether physical or mental, before the real games start, or you're one of these teams like Portland and Phoenix trying to get in. And I just think the Wizards, you know, like I said, scrappy only gets you so far. You at some point have to have talent. They're missing, you know, they're two best guys that played this year. I'm not counting Wall uh, for that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I think also it says something about kind of where they are going forward. Even if you say, okay, well, Beal's back, Bertans is back, and Wall's back. Okay, without knowing exactly where Wall's at, like, you need more stuff. Obviously, everybody will be more experienced by the time we get back to the next season. But, again, Scrappy doesn't get you far enough. You still got to get more out of these guys. And it would be nice if – you know, there's only one game left. I, again, you, I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of the last couple games because uh, my uh, day job has been keeping me busy. But um, you know, I, there's been some signs of growth. I think Troy Brown's done some good things, and you could point to a couple other other guys here and there. But I, if you said who's the who's the other offensive option that they figured out from this, I, I don't think 
I don't know if there's an answer. I think that's fair. I mean, we've seen progression from Troy Brown. We've we've we saw some shots from Rui tonight, which we'll get to in a second. Um, I think we've seen progression from Troy Brown, but in terms of like this guy is gonna be a big time scorer. Like I I don't I don't think Troy's a scorer. I think Troy is a distributor, and I think he's gonna be a smart player who's able to make things happen. But he's not like he just doesn't have the scorer mentality. But I don't even know if that's what. I don't think that's what they need, you know. Like they've got yeah. Beal, they've got Wall. If that's the group they're they're trudging forward with, they they want to re-sign Bertans. Like if that's if that's the group, I don't think that's what they need. Quite honestly, if if you told me they're going to come, they're not going to make the playoffs. Here's what you want them to look like anyway. I think Troy Brown's been encouraging. I think Jerome Robinson has been encouraging. I think Isak Bong has been encouraging. I think Rui looked better. Tonight, I think Rui looked better tonight, but I I don't think he's been either encouraging or discouraging. I think he's just mostly kind of looked like the same player. So I'm not going to say he's either encouraging or discouraging. I think he looks relatively similar to what he to what he did the last time we saw him. What I would say isn't encouraging is that they're defending the same way. They are still missing rotations. They are still giving up open shots. Thomas Bryant looks a little better defensively, I'll say, but from a team defense perspective, it's pretty similar. And I, I would say that that is discouraging. Like you would hope they would come back with this, especially after like a month long training camp. You would, I guess, really more of a two week training camp because the first two weeks they weren't allowed to play with players. So may, maybe it's unfair, but like you would think they would come back just hitting their spots better communicating better and we're still kind of seeing pretty much the same kind of stuff defensively and I wouldn't be in love with that yeah no for uh for 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 sure I mean and you know look it's tricky because like I said as we said that they're down a bunch of guys I, I don't you know how many of these players are actually playing in a real playoff contending team rotation probably not a lot so it's not like there's a lot to work with but yeah at some point when you look at the defense over and over and over again like this you know you got to ask what's up with the coaching staff i mean if if this is where like uh, uh, you know the coaching staff coaching can only get you so far but but one of the things it should be able to do on some level is hide some some level of deficiencies and particularly at the defensive end offensively you can drop some plays but at some point you kind of need guys either make plays or make shots defensively in theory like you know, team defense conceptually move, you know, uh, you know, do do some certain things, and yeah, they're just kind of it's not working no matter what. This isn't about you need to have the you know guys like we talked before about who can score or be a playmaker, but we're just saying def- defend, and yeah, they can't figure out seemingly uh, what to do. Uh, I, I was I had the TV on sort of in the background as uh, as I told you. At one point, I look up and I see Rui's at the three with Mo Wagner and Passage Nicks on the court. And I was like, wow, Scott Brooks just like, I won't say he throws in the towel, but is it, what was that? Like, is he just going, you know what? Screw it. I got nothing else is working. Let me just try something else. I, I guess he wanted Passenjic to play some, but I was just like, what is this lineup? He went with uh, Rui and Thomas Bryant and Passenjic too. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. That was like late, yeah, later. In court. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. God, God bless him. I'm sure that the bubble's got to be wearing on that guy. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, 
I, as I've said from the start of this thing, to me, this is I was never for one second thinking about the playoffs. I was only thinking about, Ken, from these eight games, we glean anything that tells us going forward. And to the point of the defense, if they don't have a serious conversation about how to fix this thing, whether that means changes in the coaching staff or, I don't know, make some serious changes with the, with the, with the players, if that's where it's at, then, yeah, I don't see why it's going to get different. It doesn't, it doesn't look like there's the obvious, obvious thing. And then, of course, you know, we don't even know where John Wall is going to be next year in terms of his uh, speed and, and all that. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you're going to need some help on, on defense. And uh, there's a lot of questions for sure. Ben, give me one sec, because I think we should just pause for one word from our sponsor, Indochino. Okay, so let's let's talk about Rui. Let's because because tonight I'm gonna read this off right now. Rui has 20 points on six of 18 shooting, five of six from the line, five boards and assist. Oh, and three of nine from three. Now, every single one of those threes was wide open, and there was even a play in the first quarter where Rui gets a wide-open three, or I should say a wide-open look on the right wing, and he passes it up, and he pump fakes, and somebody closes out on him, and then he shoots it. So he's not all the way comfortable. And there were times where he did the Rui thing where he has an open look, and he takes a dribble in and shoots it anyway. There was all of that. The Bucks give up a ton of threes. Their defense is incredible. It's the best in the league, and their defensive strategy is they pack the paint like crazy. That's what they do on a normal night. They are the ultimate, we are going to make you adjust to us, we don't adjust to you team. We're going to do what we do, and you're not going to be able to do what you do because we're doing what we do so well. They are the ultimate example of that. They fight through every single screen. They drop Brooke Lopez back. They crash everybody into the paint. This is what they do. And they give up a lot of threes. Now, I think it was Kevin. It was it was Kevin Pelton who made a really good point and said it great. How is the Bucks defense so good if they don't if they give up so many threes? And Kevin Pelton said, "Well, they give up nothing at the rim, so and they're still going to give up shots. So they got to give up those shots from somewhere, and a lot of them happen to be from three. They also are good at the right guys taking threes. Um, tonight they just left Rui alone on the three point line. Didn't didn't bother to close out on him like at all." There are two ways to look at it. We can look at it as they didn't close out on him and he still didn't always go up intuitively. I think it's a good sign that he took nine threes tonight. I think it's a good sign that he took nine threes. And and a lot of those were rhythm threes. They were, I'm catching it, I'm going up, and looked pretty good. Here's the thing. It's It's like the bubble. He should be throwing stuff up when it's a good look and he should be experimenting. And and the thing that I worry about with Rui getting the ball on the three-point line, taking one dribble and going up, even if it's like, I understand you have to let a guy do what he's comfortable with. You can't necessarily force him into uncomfortable things. You want guys to have a certain level of comfort on the court so they can play properly, even when they're developing. And I get that. But you don't want him developing bad habits. And it could eventually become a difficult habit to break if he's constantly getting the ball on the three-point line, going one dribble, and going up. 
I think the fact that even though nobody guarded him, I think the fact that he still started progressively throughout that game to put up rhythm threes was a good thing. And I thought he looked pretty good in doing it. I don't care that he went 6 of 18. I care that I thought it was his best shot selection game. And I more importantly, I thought it was his best habits game offensively. Um, I, I thought... I thought tonight was his most encouraging game because the thing with Rui to me, as I've said the whole time, the thing with him is decision-making all kinds of decision-making that's passing. That's moving the ball. That's cutting that's shot selection. It's decision-making. I thought he was better from a decision-making standpoint tonight than he's been in any other game in the bubble. And I think the three pointers are representative of that. Do you know what his season highs and three-point attempts was before today? I think it was five. That is correct. He only had three games with four or more, so certainly uh, a a difference there. Um, uh, As I said, I I didn't watch all the game, but I would just say, like, in general, my my take on a lot of, especially young players, is I don't so much care if they make the shots or, 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 or miss the turnovers. But are they doing the right thing when the, you know, do, do they make the right uh, plays? I always fall back to the Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre of it all. Otto Porter would typically make the right plays, but his shot early on was, it was a struggle. Oubre often made the wrong plays regardless of what happened. And even when the game where he was flashy, I was like, ugh, I don't, I don't like what's happening here. So I, I, I take your point that if, you know, if, whether the shots were falling or not, if it looked like it was supposed to happen, you know, it was it was it was a good look or you know a good flow or a good decision. Then that then that's a good uh, that's a good sign uh, going forward. And you're totally right. I mean about the the decision making. I still remember pre draft, right before the draft, and ESPN does these really good uh, long uh, cut video breakdowns of players and the pros and cons. And the cons on Rui kept me up that night. I mean, I think literally because the decision making was so bad. And I was like, "What the hell? That this is this this sent me, this sent red flags all over the place." Of course, they emphasize, as we know a hundred times, he's he's relatively speaking hasn't played basketball that long, so maybe you have to view it a little bit differently. But yeah, the decision making is a big deal. So if if you're saying the nine threes you felt were good, uh, I will give you that, regardless of the percentage. I don't care about the percentage. I care about the shot quality, and I care about the process behind the shot. Uh. Troy Brown shot 3 of 15 tonight. I thought he was a little shot happy. I think he falls in love with the floater too much sometimes. Like, he shot like a 14-foot floater tonight that he just shouldn't have taken. I think he falls in love with the floater tonight. But that's like, it's okay. Learning process. Mine's in the right spot. I assume you did because there's only so many topics to get into. Did you have a conversation about when everybody was saying Rui should play the three? I don't remember if I've, t- I've talked about this in my life. I mean, I don't think he's well, a three. We, we talked about it internally in our own little uh, group online uh, in the office, but I didn't know if you talked about it. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely not. But that's what was interesting to me. I, I, at one point, I look up, and as I said, I saw he was playing the three, and I like I rewound the, the – the, I didn't really care about the game. I was like, oh, well, let me watch this for a minute. It didn't get a ton of action in that, in that spot. But I'm with you. I don't see him as a three at all. I don't, I don't mind that they're trying it. I mean, what the hell? But um, I, I don't, I'm not seeing that right now either. So it was interesting that. People oh yeah, were try big... everything. Scott Brooks left him in in the third quarter with four fouls tonight. I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah, go nuts. Let him I mean, let yeah. him play. Let him play with in foul trouble. See how he does. Let him get some experience playing with four fouls in the third quarter. Great, makes total sense. Thought that was a a very very um, uh, 
decision made perfect sense. It was totally fine. Like let him let him experiment in that kind of way. Yeah, let him play the three. Let's let's see yeah. if he can do it. Here's the thing: he's gonna have to do it next year, whether you think he's a three or not. If you're paying Davis Bertans, and you think Rui is a major part of your future, guess what? He and Bertans are gonna have to play with each other. You know, they're gonna have to play alongside each other. Like, yeah. there might be a point where you play Rui at the five and Bertans at the four. That might be the case, but Rui's gonna have to play the three sometimes too, because you play Rui at the five, Bertans at the four. Oof, where's the room protection there? So, like, I mean, I think that would work really well potentially against bench units. But in terms of, like, closing against starters and that kind of stuff in major moments, I don't think that's a thing you can do consistently. You're going to have to play Rui at the three at some point if you play Bertans and you consider Rui a major part of your future, which the Wizards do. So, I mean, to yeah, me, yeah. Rui's, Rui's not a three. He's I, yeah. I don't think he's a three. I don't see the three skill set. Like, he doesn't have the handle of a three. Or the range of a three. He doesn't guard threes. Like I, I don't, I don't see where he's a three. But that doesn't mean that he can't play the three in certain situations. The game is flexible enough that a non-three can play the threes in certain moments. I think he's closer to a small ball five though than I do of him as a three. And people take that stuff. It's like people take that as as an insult. You don't think he's a three? How can you not think he's a three? How could you demean him? He, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. That's we're just. This has nothing to do with quality. This has to do with position. This has to do with role and skill set. Yeah. But by the way, here, here's here's my uh, minutes. My minutes plan for the 2020-21 season. That they, they, they have to go get an actual three man in some capacity. I don't know if that's like. I, I, if I say any specific names, I don't mean them. But like. Either, you know, you bring in some like Trevor Ariza type vet, or whether you draft somebody in the first round, whatever. You get some three man. You start Bertans and and Rui at the six minute mark of the first quarter. You take Rui out. You bring this three man in. That guy finishes the quarter. Then to start the second, Rui comes back in. Troy Brown comes in, maybe as the you know in some capacity. And now that's like your primary focal point with this random three person I just said. That then they they lead the way until Wall and Beal come back in thus giving Rui a chance to be the man while breaking up the Rui Bertans thing. I'm looking ahead for you. See, this is what I do. We talked about that a little bit recently. All right, fellas. Andrew, you're, you're a you're a fella. I, I want to know if you're prepared to unveil your summer bod. I'm fully prepared. Fully prepared. Right. I can well, tell so you the, why. The beaches are opening against all conventional wisdom. The beaches are somehow right. somehow opening. Uh, the sun is is shining. We don't know how much longer that's going to happen. Uh, and the bushes, they got to be tamed. So Manscaped is here to ensure that your post-quarantine body, even though you should still very much be mid-quarantine because we have way too many cases every day, yeah. is ready for the wild, which uh, please don't get wild for months and months and months. I'll endorse Manscaped, but I'm not endorsing people going out and violating social distancing rules. So Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect. You ever use the perfect package 3.0? I've used it many times. Yes, I do. Is, is it is it aptly named? Yeah, it's great. It's great. I, the huge fan of the ball deodorant. <laughs> the ball deodorant. Huge, huge fan. 
the crop preserver, the ball deodorant. Yeah, it's great. It's all, it's all, it's all great. Oh God, man. <laughs> We, 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 we've been talking about wizard's ball movement for so long. And now we've got to talk about Manscaped. <laughs> have you, have right, you so used the, the 3.0, the, the lawnmower? I, uh, I can tell you exactly. I can tell you all about the 3.0. So, the, so the perfect package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer. So I guess you can use it in the shower and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. It is the best trimmer on the market. For those of you who need a chest shave, this third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. So it's third generation. So that means it's great grandfather uh, came over from, from Australia. Uh, it's, it's It's been around for, for a long time. Uh, you can also adjust settings to a length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. That's what everybody wants to be hairless with no effort. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what that's exactly what your great grandfather who came from Australia wanted when he came to this country to make perfect package 3.0. I'll tell you the, the 2.0 to the 3.0 jump is is big time. There's a there's a light on this thing. A light. There is. Oh, God, that's horrible. Who wants a light? Hey, I don't want a better view. You you say that and, until you've tried it, and then you'll realize the the errors that you've made in the past, and you won't have them anymore with the three point oh. Oh man! So you can subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill on your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months for a limited time. Subscribers get two free gifts, which is the shed travel bag, a thirty nine dollar value add, and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscaped boxer briefs. Um, get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code the athletic. That's one word at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC, one word. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. But by the way, can I? I'm looking at the box score here. Can I give you my random comment? Yeah, give me a random comment. Okay, so you got... Five, basically, 11 guys played, I want to say. I mean, Jonathan Williams, Jared Utoff. Okay, I, I, am I missing something? Am I correct? Jan Mahimi has not played in the bubble? Correct. So there's one game left, correct? Correct. So realistically, there is a, a, a decent chance that this will be the last game of Jan Mahimi's NBA career. I guess it's plausible. I mean, I could see a, a team... Signing I mean, he, 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 he's, he's agile enough that even though the big man game is not where he is anymore and presumably he's going to have to take a, a, a fairly nothing contract moving forward. So, yes, there's a there's a world. He's also campus. he's also a thing he has going for him is that he's just so well respected and liked. Sure. And but, and so people I could see, you know, I could see him getting like the 15th man on the roster, be the vet and just like teach our young big guy how to be a pro guy you know sure sure but uh but but at the if nothing else it will be the final game of his career with the wizards a very 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 oh boy four years to say the least i think scott brooks should start him in the final game 
I, I don't know if Mahimi has said he doesn't want to play. He's willing to sit. He doesn't care. I say you throw him out there. Not just not just two seconds at the end. Throw him out there to start. Not to say we're celebrating his career, but he's been here four years. He is an incredibly nice human being. Like what? I don't. I got don't. Like what? What? Why not? I mean, I, I've advocated don't play him. I'm, but but I figured he would play some point. I just figured at one point they would throw him in there for a minute or two, whatever. Uh, I, I'm advocating he should start the finale. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree. But but I like your sentiment. It's very heartfelt. But I I I do agree. Like I I I I don't re- I don't really have a problem with throwing him five minutes in one game. That's not gonna hurt. I mean, just to be clear on the level of sentiment, you could also just like start him, pull him at the seven minute marker, and then not play yeah, him the rest it. of the game. Yeah, yeah right, right. I, right. I, I'm basically saying play him a few minutes. I'm not saying play him thirty. I'm just playing play him at some point. But starting has a little extra significance just because you'll talk about it and people will see that, whatever. Uh, and yeah, and just to be clear, if I had to rank all of the, you know, if we if we were playing the game of rank Ernie Grunfeld's indiscretions as a GM. In terms of transactions, the summer of 2016 for me is number one by a lot. And Jan Mahimi, the decision to bring him in for that money when you had Gortat and the you know all the, where the game was headed and all, just really tough to take. And then somehow the four years were even worse than you could have thought because he had the injuries and then the team went downhill and he just never became anything close to being a, a, a real starter for them. So. It was definitely not a great thing, and I'm sure fans are going, wait, why do you want to start him? We, we don't we want to just move on and forget. But I'm just saying he's in the bubble. You know, let's let, let's be decent as people. Throw him out there. Give him his send-off. And then, like I said, it's also conceivable that that's it for his career. It's, it, yeah, somebody could sign him, but it's not out of question that that could be it. I don't You're know, right. No, it's definitely not out of the question. It's definitely not out of the question. I think Jan's teammates would – would be excited if he if he played. I'll tell you that much. That I feel very comfortable saying. I haven't asked any teammates that specifically. I feel very comfortable saying his teammates would be excited if he played. Everybody in that locker room likes that guy. So they might agree with you. They might be with it. I, I have a comment before we go. Sure. It's your show. Why I'm, not? I'm, pre- <laughs> I'm prefacing this by saying... I'm not questioning Bradley Beal's decision not to go to the bubble. It was obviously Ooh, I like this is going. No, I'm I'm really not. It, it, it's it was obviously if he didn't want to go, especially you know the, we'll see how the shoulder injury was. But if he if he didn't want to go, even even if he had no injury at all, he was the healthiest person in the world, and he didn't want to go because he wanted to stay the healthiest person in the world. Great. That's enough reason for me. I also think there is an argument to be made, and people have made this argument to me. People people have made this argument to me, and I think it's totally fair that it's actually better for the Wizards that Bradley Beal didn't go. Because now Troy Brown got all this time at point guard. And Rui got all this time being the focal point of a defense going at him, you know? That's valuable experience. And yeah, they could further learn how to play with Bradley Beal, or they could kind of learn how to swim in the deep end on their own. And... I buy the argument that they can learn more doing that. I don't have any problem with that argument. So I'm not at all arguing that Bradley Beal should have gone to the bubble. And there's not even a but coming. I'm not saying but. 
one thing I think is interesting is, which I didn't realize was going to happen until the bubble started playing. So, so I don't know how Beal could have seen it coming either. Is what's the thing that Bradley Beal has argued, like after not making All Star? It's always like uh, it's a popularity contest type of thing, right? Well, it's a popularity contest. Look at what the bubble is doing for people's reputations who are going there and killing it. There is a hyper amount of attention on these guys who are killing it. Like TJ Warren has gotten more positive pub in the last week and a half than he's had in his entire career because he came to the bubble and is until that Miami game last night is bawling out. And Devin Booker is leading the Suns to 7-0. and And a week and a half ago, I think if you ask the average fan, and I didn't believe this to be true, but I think if you ask the average casual fan who doesn't really watch Devin Booker play because the Suns are never on national TV, I think if you ask the average fan, they, there's a decent chance that person would say that Devin Booker's a good stats, bad team guy. And there was certainly somewhat of a narrative about that. And now, like, they're giving out the NBA announced today they're they're going to make an all seeding team and they're going to give out a player of the bubble. Devin Booker could win player of the bubble. TJ Warren could win player of the bubble. They could be on the all seeding games team, you know? Like they're getting extra publicity. Like their reps are 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 changing potentially because of these two weeks. And Bradley Beal was averaging 36 a game over his final 22 games. If Bradley Beal shows up, averages 36 a game, and the Wizards win three or four games and go to a play-in, maybe he maybe he wins some of the popularity contests next time. Like, maybe he's getting the attention that Devin Booker is getting right now or that TJ Warren's getting right now. I don't know. Thing I've thought about. I don't know if he cares about that. Probably doesn't. I would assume he doesn't think that's worth it, and that's totally cool. It's just another universe I've thought about. Like, if Bradley Beal goes to the bubble, he probably plays really well because he's really good. And I wonder how that plays out for him from like a fame perspective, you know? Let me tell you what I think of this take. Big fan. I, I had yeah. this literal conversation with a friend of mine two days ago, and I think it was a Devin Booker. Maybe it was with Devin Booker hit that game winner. Um, I, I lost track of time. What was that, three, two or three days ago? I don't know, man. There's no time. It was, yeah, so, it right. was some time in the bubble. But but it's to that point. Like, there's too much happening in sport. I mean, in a good thing, right? We have sports, a lot happening. And I've been covering, like I said, the craziest football team of all time. <clears throat> so I'm just catching things here and there. But whenever Devin Booker hit that game winning shot the other day and Phoenix kept winning, and a lot of De- – it was like a Devin Booker, Devin Booker, Devin Booker – this was the conversation I had had with my friend that like, okay, on some level, Beal and Devin Booker are kind of in the same general cat category. The Wizards and Suns entered this, as we discussed before, sort of in the same, like they're like sort of bottom of the barrel of the bubble, but you know, whatever. And you wonder, we, we were discussing like if Beal had shown up, obviously I don't, we, neither one of us thought they could go seven and zero. Oh, but is there two games where Beal goes for 40 and they pull off the win against Team X, and Beal hits the shot at the buzzer, or Beal is just killing it. And, you know, that's the thing right now. Because there's not nine games going on at, at 7 o'clock on the East Coast, 
the Wizards game against whoever it is is getting attention because there's only two games happening at any one time in the whole in the whole world. There's only two NBA games happening. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a fascinating point. And then to the point, I'll give my friend credit for this. He was like, you know, look, if Bradley Beal and and his cadre are going to complain about various things like the All-Star game or not making the All-NBA, and again, I said he probably should for both, uh, this is the type of thing that you needed to do to, to, uh, to, to help your cause because – you know what? If Devin Booker was 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 uh, equal with Beal or maybe a little bit below, perception probably isn't that right now because Devin Booker is killing it and he's in the bubble. And like you said, T.J. Warren and other people too. I mean, you know, Dame Lillard has gone up in sta- even though he's already incredibly high, he's gone up staggering amounts uh, for for how good he has played. And and yeah, everything is heightened. And and I'm sure there's some guys who maybe it's gone slightly the other way. But you know, I know New Orleans has not been terribly impressive as an example, but it doesn't. It feels like everybody's so positive about basketball that everybody is focused on the good stuff. And as I said before, it feels like the intensity levels for a lot of these teams and players is pretty high. And Bradley Beal, I think, would have really fit into that because he plays at that kind of level anyway. So yeah, you do wonder. I mean, look, I, I'm with you. I totally understood at the moment why he did it. It just goes to show you that uh, I'm not saying he got caught up in something because okay, we'll take them at their word that he had an injury, but. Uh, yeah, you wonder if he could have thought about it some more. If he, if you know, if he had had a sort of a sneak preview, here's what's really going to happen. Uh, uh, there's only going to be so many games at any given time. You know, the Wizards will be on national TV more or less all the time, or so or close to it, right? Isn't every game at least on NBA TV or something? I don't know. Isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's like I said. I mean, every game gets some level of attention. Because even if the Wizards aren't very good, their opponent is. They've obviously been playing, you know, except for the first couple of games, they've been playing, you know, pretty good teams. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a fascinating what if. I I do think that the young players have ultimately probably benefited more by him not being there simply because they've been thrust into positions where they wouldn't have been otherwise. Uh, you know, what you said before about Troy Brown, I agree. It's more about can he be a playmaker than a scorer. But how much of a playmaker is he going to be if he's on the court wall and Beal next year? Or even if it's just one of them. Probably not a lot. That's why it's important to see can he have authoritative he can be and, and, and be war- you know be worthy of getting the ball. That's We wouldn't have a clue if he wasn't getting this run without Beal. So it's important for, for that perspective. But, yes, it would be fascinating, the alternative, alternative world, to see what happens if Bradley Beal shows up. Does he have a moment or two that, that thrusts him into the national spotlight for sure? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anything uh... – Anything before we wrap up? Uh, you know, I cover the crazy football team. If you're interested in them, go read me on The Athletic. Great. Go read Ben on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can become a subscriber to The Athletic. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, you can get 40% off on an annual subscription that comes out to $36 for the full year. Again, If you want to subscribe, that gets you a full subscription to The Athletic. So you get The Athletic DC, you get Wizards, you get Washington football team, you get all NFL, all NBA, all MLB, everything else. Uh, You get the full subscription, everything. You get this podcast without the advertisements. You get everything on there. And you can get 40% off, $36 for an annual subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark if you're just listening to this one random episode and you want to keep listening. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you really, 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 really love the show, 
you can go on iTunes. You can give us a five-star rating. You can leave a review. Like I said, this is the last post-game episode of the season. They finish up the season uh, against Boston on Thursday. I'm not doing a post-game show after that. I believe I'm going to be going on Jake King's podcast. So if you want to hear like thoughts or anything like that after that game, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's Jay's podcast, but I'll probably be on that podcast. Anything is potable. So I think I'm uh, Jay is our Celtics writer. He's been on this podcast many times, but I uh, I'll probably be on that one. But I'm not going to do a Wizards after dark post game show because it just feels too weird to do be doing game analysis of that final game. So what I'm going to do is at some point, either Friday. Um, over the weekend, Monday at the absolute latest, I'm going to do an episode um, with a guest. I have somebody in mind. I'm going to do an episode with a guest where we're, we're basically going to grade Wizards bubble people and, and sum up Wizards bubble people, Wizards players in the bubble. And we're, and we're going to basically sum up Wizards bubble time and, and the Wizards season and and do that. And, uh, and then it's just a move into offseason stuff. So... Kind of similar to what I was doing during the hiatus. One episode a week at least. Maybe I'll get in a second one depending on the week. But the lottery is obviously next week. Um, I'll probably do an episode after the lottery and talk stuff. I'm going to be doing draft stuff. Going to be doing free agency stuff. There will probably be a week or two without a podcast because I'm probably going to take vacation at some point. Because normally I take my vacation in August and now the season is totally messed around with everything but i'm probably gonna take a week or two off at some point and just clear my head because i have not done that in uh, a long time in like almost a year now so so i'll i'll probably do that at some point but i'll give you guys a heads up before that happens um i will be back for that bubble sum up episode either late this week or early next week i'll talk to you guys then